This audio session is taken from the Shofar Bible School first year course. You can register for the full Bible School course by visiting our Shofar online store at www.shofaronlinestore.org. The topic for this session is Made in the Image of God. It is part of Module 7. What is man? Welcome back to this session of Bible School. My name is Philip and it's an incredible privilege for us this, this session to spend some time continuing around the thought of what is it to be a human? What are some of the things that, that make us as people people? What makes us different from the world all around us and the rest of the creation? In the sessions before this, we've spent a little bit of time talking about our relational being, that we are, are people that have been built for covenant. In this session, we're going to be looking just a little bit more as what is it that makes us as humans human? Why are we perhaps different to the elephant or the ant? What makes us different to the trees? Is, is there something of substance, some part of who we are, something in the way that God has created us that makes us unique? And so we're carrying on with those thoughts. How is this relevant to us? It's relevant to us because it's a question that you and I as humans need to understand. If we want to understand our relationship with God, how do we connect to Him? How do we draw towards Him? Then it's important that we understand who we are. What is it that makes us us? There are a number of thoughts that over the years have been put together as theories around what are humans? Why are we human? What is it that makes us unique and different? I'm pretty sure that any person on this earth that we speak to would be able to recognize and would agree that you and I as humans, we're different to the rest of creation. Whether they believe in creation or not, they'd be able to testify that there is something unique about us as humans. There's something that sets us apart. In this session, we're wanting to spend a little bit of time identifying what is that. We're going to look at a number of philosophies and theories that have been put forward over the years. And then specifically, we're going to see what does Scripture have to say about us and our creation as humans. One of the first thoughts that we see in these next thoughts are all drawn from Melod Erickson's book. And he lists a number of underlying philosophies. The first one of these would be that you and I are human we're just machines. We are simply here to fulfill a function. And our nature, our value is derived from our ability, from the capacity, from the way in which we deliver according to that function. In other words, you and I are simply as valuable as our gifts are valuable, as valuable as our talents and our abilities. One of the challenges around this view is, what does that have to say about people who are not able to contribute? What is the value of somebody who is perhaps for a while or permanently incapacitated? Somebody who draws and is coming towards the end of their life, an elderly. Do they no longer have value because they are no longer able to contribute? Their abilities, in a sense, have been diminished. Does that diminish their value? The second thought is that you and I, as humans, we're just animals. We are part of an evolutionary process. And in nature, there really is no difference between us and the rest of creation. We are the same, brought the same, a byproduct of thousands upon thousands of years of evolution. Our biological component has simply been elevated. In other words, we are the highlight, the highest point, the pinnacle of the evolutionary process. We've, over many, many years, simply learned how to replicate and to survive. Survival of the fittest is sort of a, a key element of this worldview. 
the challenge around this is how do we value, what do, what do we make then of self-sacrifice, of heroism, of, of giving of ourselves? If the highlight, the, the very thing that keeps us going, that keeps us alive, that keeps us able to replicate is our ability to survive. Why do we inherently, why do we value self-sacrifice? Why are we drawn towards heroism? Why is heroism something that speaks to our hearts? A third view is that as humans, we're merely sexual beings. A view that is very prominent within the world, within much of the media, whether it be the movies, the magazines, the books we read, there's much to be made and much to be said that as humans, we are simply sexual elements. We are sexual beings and, and we exist purely as a result of the sexual and the biological function. Naturally, this would mean that you and I are, are only as valuable as our sexual desirability. We're only drawn towards, we only give value to those who are able to provide some form of sexual satisfaction, whether it be visual or otherwise. One way of putting that is that you and I would then merely be sexual objects at best, or even at worst, purely pornographic images. And our value derives from our ability to fulfill that role. Another view is that you and I as humans, we're economic beings. Our value is derived from our ability to financially, economically add value, to reproduce, to generate wealth. One of the sad byproducts of this, and then naturally all around the world are many people who, who buy into this. It leads to abuse. It leads to slavery. It leads to the taking and of those that we deem to be of less value. And we can justify our exploitation of them because they are adding value financially and economically. And, and that is as a heart, as a substance of who we are as humans. And then the last one is that we are simply pawns of the universe, that humanity is a product of chance, that once again, the evolutionary theory buys into this, that genetics and environment have simply brought us here by accident. And sadly, for those who buy into this worldview, that means that we have no value, that we have no purpose, that, that our value is purely accidental and that accident cannot have any value. We don't have a purpose. We're not here for a reason. There is no design. There is no plan that you and I, we are simply here just because the clock is ticking. And at some stage, the clock is going to finish ticking and we will move on with no value, with no legacy, with no reason. That we are just part of a, a blind and a random process. Naturally, a key element in every worldview is that a free will that we have free will as, as humans and, and that free will, free will sets us apart just a little bit. That free will gives us the ability to decide. Some people would even go so far as to say that free will and the ability to choose is what makes human, human. Naturally, this also would lead to excesses. And when we take it to a logical extreme, it leads to a, a selfish, a, a ludicrous life. It, it leads to the point where I can do whatever I want. It leads to anarchy. It leads to me saying that the highest pinnacle of creation, the highest pinnacle of who I am as a human, my fulfillment is in humanity is when I'm, I'm able to do whatever I please, however I please, whenever I please. As humans, we're social beings. As humans, many people would say that we are the 
simply defined by the environment, the community from which we come. We see a lot about this in modern day identity politics, which says that you and I, we're going to be act, we're going to behave, we are, can be identified, we can be determined based on the color of our skin, the language we speak, our ethnicity, our race, where we come from. Naturally, it's obvious to all who have been in any gr group of people who come from the same environment, who speak the same language, that even within that, there are a variety of different views, there are different opinions, there are different flavors that are added. And so as we go through the question is, what is it that makes you and me different as humans? It's important to consider all of these thoughts before we briefly look at an important passage of scripture. One thing that is important that we, I'm sure all will agree on is that as humans, as people, relationships are key. That a large part of what defines us is the way in which we relate to the important people and the important elements in our lives. And naturally, as Christians, what we believe is something that defines us crucially is the way in which we relate to our God. And so we can turn to this beautiful passage in the book of Genesis, a passage which takes us right back to the beginning, right back to when God first created mankind, the first time that humans existed right on the earth. What is the purpose that God had in plan for us? Take 10 minutes to reflect on and discuss this session's key Bible passage together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the key Bible passage by yourself. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God, God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And here we read this beautiful passage of how God created mankind. In the five days before this of creation, every time God looked and he said, it was good, it was good, it was good. And the sixth time, here on the sixth day, after he created mankind, he looked down and he said, it was very good. There was something that the addition of mankind to creation added that took the earth from being good, God's creation, God's design from good into the realm of very good. You and I, we add value to that which God has created. The key element from this passage that we're going to look at in the next few moments is what's called in, in Latin the imago Dei, the image of God. But from a Christian worldview, the number one thing that defines us as humans, that makes us different, the fact that we are different to the elephant and the ant, 
is not because of an evolutionary process. It's not because of a different way and we can, we can speak. It's not necessarily because we have higher faculties of communication and, and thought. It is because we have been created in the image of God. You, there where you're sitting, there where you're listening to my voice, there where you're watching this video, the one thing that sets you apart from the rest of God's creation, you have been created in His image. This has a number of really important implications for us. And in the next section, we're going to spend a bit of time just looking at the three key elements, key, key implications of this Imago Day. Three key implications of you and I being made in God's image. The first is that humanity is precious. Inherently, we have value. We have value not because of what we add. We have value not because of our contribution. We have value not because of our insight or our great wisdom. We have value because of who we represent. We are precious simply because we are. This worldview, this guarantees, and at the same way, it demands human dignity and respect for every single human. Whether the human is a newborn baby, whether it is an adult in the prime of their life, whether it is somebody heading towards the end of their time here on earth, we remain valuable, not because we are contributing, not because we are adding. We remain valuable because of the representation of Christ that we carry within us. The Imago Day determines that we are precious even if we cannot contribute because what we bring as ourselves is the image of God. Humanity, we're not our own. Very key implication of the Imago Day. If we were to take this passage, if we were to break it down and spend a bit of time, and I'd encourage you to do that. That's a really deep passage. It's a passage that one session of Bible school is not nearly enough to give you insight into. Take it in the weeks to come and spend a bit of time with a simple prayer. Jesus, what does this passage teach me about me and the way I relate to you? And the one thing that's going to keep coming back is the Imago Day. You're created in God's image. So God, what are the implications? Because I'm created in your image, what does that mean for, for me in my day-to-day -day life, in my relationships? Well, firstly, an important image is you and I, we're not our own. This is a hard truth. This is a truth which is difficult for us to work with. When we come to Christ, when we begin to put our faith in Jesus, one of the first things that we need to work through is the ownership issue. The issue of who gets to make the important decisions in my life. Who am I for? Who do I exist for? Why am I here on this earth? You and I, we're not made for ourselves. We are made for God within His image. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says it so beautifully for us, for us as well. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom God, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You and I, we are going to give an account for our lives. We are going to stand before a king of kings one day. And I hope and pray that you'd stand there with a smile, knowing that you are forgiven, but also knowing that you have conducted yourself well in your time here on earth. Secondly, humanity is made for God. Not only are we not our own, we are also for God. Our lives have meaning. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. God created you right before he put the first star in the sky. He already knew that you would be here today. And he had a purpose and a plan for your life. Part of the meaning of your life is to exhibit the image of God. 
and in that way to demonstrate the glory of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that in, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of God's son. Live for God. And then your life is purpose. Your life, yes, your life is designed by God for a specific reason. You are created for a reason, for good works that God prepared beforehand for you to walk. When David writes that God's formed him, he shaped him in his mother's womb. He has been fearfully and wonderfully made. He was not an accident. You are not an accident. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for those good works which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. What is this Imago Dei? The Imago Dei means that your life has an innate dignity and importance, that you can have a life of meaning and purpose, and that you are made for God. You belong in this world as a child of God, not as a pawn of the universe. One of my favorite passages is right in the beginning of the book of, of John. John chapter 1, John speaks and he says that you and I, I'm paraphrasing, we're not born by the will of man. We are not born by accident. We are not born because some person thought it was a good idea to bring you into the world. You are born by the will of God. You are born by the design and by the purpose of God. For my life personally, that is such a powerful testimony. It's a word that I hold on to because I was not meant to be born. I was an, an accident child. I was born while my mom had a contraceptive device installed in her, in her body. And yet God had a plan. God had a purpose. God looked down from heaven and said, no purpose of man will come against my purpose. As much as that's real in my life, that's real in your life. That you are here because God has purposed and God has planned for you to be born. What does this term, the image of God, mean? It's a question that theologians have wrestled with for a long time. And there are three different views, which we're going to look at now as well. But those three different views are not different views as much as they're complementary views. There is truth to all of them. There is a little bit of the character and the truth of God that's revealed in each one of these views. The first one is what we call the substantive view. Once again, this is taken from Erickson's book. The idea is that there is some ability or quality of God that is carried over and has been carried over to humanity, to you and, and to me. You and I are different to the world around us because we have a spirit, we have a conscience. We read in the book of Genesis that when God created mankind, he not only spoke us into being in the way that he spoke every other creature into being, but he formed and he shaped us with, our, with his hands. He took off the clay and then he did something so beautiful and precious. He breathed his spirit into us. There is something of the substance of God that has been breathed into you, the spirit of the living God. The second view is the relational view. The fact that God is innately relational. He dwells in eternal community as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the three in one. And you and I have been made for community and we represent God. We carry the image of God in our need, our desire, and our capacity for relationship. And then thirdly, the functional view, that you and I have been designed to reflect the purposes of God here on this earth. We are the image of God. We are the Imago Dei because we can reflect the work that God does, the work of restoration, the work of healing, the work of stepping out and bringing hope to a hopeless world, bringing healing to a broken world. That we are here to establish a rule which should be a just 
and a good rule, the rule of the king, the rule of Christ. And so all of those in theological terms might be slightly different and have a slightly different focus, those three views, but they're complementary. Every one of them helps to define and to understand who are you and who am I as a human. So in closing, what is it that we are saying? We're saying that you and I are made in the image of God. That humanity is unique, humanity is special, humanity is different for one specific reason. We carry within us, upon us, the image of the Creator God. We are creative beings because we reflect a creative being. And so we are more than just flesh and bone. We are spirit. And God has breathed spirit within us. It sets us apart from the rest of creation. At the same time, it gives us a duty and a responsibility to steward this creation well, as God has made us overseers of it. In the next section, we will be spending some time talking about some of the spiritual elements or what makes us human. The fall, sinfulness, God's redemption. How do they relate to our humanity? God bless you. See you in the next session. Take 15 minutes to reflect on and discuss the following points together with others in the class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the points by yourself. You can find the discussion points in your Bible school handbook. Look out for the Living the Word sections in each session.